Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there and welcome. I hope you're doing as good as possible. I'm so excited because we have a guest on the show today and she is going to share her story of strength and resilience. And I'm so happy. I have full disclaimer, I do know Ophelia and we have done some coaching together. So um, I just wanted you to know that I already know about her resilience and her strength, but I wanted to have her on the show today so she could share this with you as well. I mean, we can all benefit from the hopefulness that comes from stories of strength and resilience. So welcome to the show, Ophelia. It's so nice to have you here. Thanks so much, Andrea. I'm excited uh, excited to be here and, uh, and to be part of the work that you're doing. Ah, thank you. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I think following the, the theme of, of your book, it's like I've been living and, and loving addicts pretty much my whole life. Um, some have been addicted to drugs and alcohol, Others have been addicted to drama and chaos uh, or addicted to all the other things that um, you can be addicted to, whether that's food or work or, or just sex. Um, but uh, basically, um, the distraction and the addiction of pain um, has been a big part of the life uh, that I've experienced so far. Um, I, uh, my first husband uh, was the father of my child, was an addict and a, a drug dealer. My second partner, who was a recovering addict, who faltered and struggled for most of the 20 years that we were together. Um, and sadly, it ultimately ended in um, the, the relationship ended due to a major relapse. Um, but uh, in the work that I do, I am a, a career and life coach uh, and of what we call a facilitator of hero mindsets, really bringing the work of positive psychology uh, to people's uh, stress and sometimes even their pain so that we can uh, move from the fracking existence of stress that we live today so that we can experience more flourishing. Oh my gosh. Wow. So first of all, thank you so much for sharing your story because I do know that there is a degree of vulnerability there when we are sharing what we've gone through. Um, I would love to hear your, from your perspective, like what has been your biggest struggle when you, you know, loving someone with an addiction? Wow, I think upon reflection, you know, when you're in it, it's hard, it's hard to know you're just struggling to to get through each day. But as I sit back, you know, out, outside of the uh, experience, I think getting um, real with the addict and the pain that lives inside of me, you know, uh, I think it's that pain that draws me 
to the addict. Uh, and then, of course, I, there's the control and the ego and that juice that you get from fixing or maybe even thinking you're helping people who are struggling with their own addictions. And, and really, uh, I think the struggle was about um, it's a distraction from my own pain. And so my struggle was staying focused on my pain and really in, in my own lane. Oh my God, how fascinating. So it's almost like, you know, trying to fix things or knowing someone's struggling. So you have the resources and the tools and you're trying to help. And I know it's very common amongst people who are loving someone with an addiction. Like you just wish that you could love them hard enough or, you yeah. know, you wish that you could take that pain away from them or that it's just, yeah, it's, it's so common. And that's such a common struggle when you love someone with an addiction. Hmm. So I'm curious then how did you how did you go from being in that um, to taking back your power, taking back the power in your life? Well, that's a really good question. And uh, I think, you know, at the at the, the the foundation of it all, it was really just survival instincts started to, to kick in. Uh, and I picked up, you know, the knowledge and um, experience I have from, from the work I do. And, and I started to follow my own hero. Um, and so I often joke with folks and say, I broke up with hope, which is the H in hero. Uh, and that had me twisting and really uh, turning for years, trying to adapt and meet the needs of, of the addict. Uh, and I started to date confidence, which is the E, the efficacy uh, in our hero. And um, I picked up and started dating the confidence that I, I, um, that I did, that I knew that I did all that I could do. I had the confidence that there was nothing more that I could do um, and that uh, to ease the pain of my addicted partner. And then I realized very quickly, or maybe not so quickly, it seemed quickly, um, that I was perhaps maybe now part of the problem. And I was maybe the possible activator and enabler of the addiction by, by holding on to some hope. And so I made a very conscious choice and a, and a confident choice that I needed to start to put my needs first in any and all decisions that I made. And once I kind of put my emotions and my needs uh, first and owned it, like really stepped into it, um, I found that I committed to that decision and I started to ask for what I needed and wanted and, and in some ways what I deserved um, and, uh, and just kept a focus on, on that. Wow. And you really raised something so beautiful there is that element of hope. And that's really what this podcast is all about too. And sharing your story of strength and resilience is building that hopefulness and hope. I love that positive emotion because it's the only emotion really that lives amongst uh, negative emotions or emotions that are quite challenging, such as anger, disappointment, worry, sadness. And I love that element that you brought into it is that that hope, if you can build that hope, um, it really does help you get through all those those challenging emotions. Um, and uh, those emotions, although, as you know, they're they're healthy emotions and they're telling us something. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because I, I love that you created your own little hero model and and maybe um, you did mention efficacy. So can you expand on that a little just for the listeners so they um, maybe can see how they could apply that to their life? Sure. So I think like all, you know, the, all of us who, who love, who are in love with someone who's struggling with an addiction, you know, you, you remain hopeful and that allows for you to adapt, 
It allows for you to, um, you know, be patient in to be empathetic uh, to to their their needs. And of course, when hope gets over overused, uh, it becomes a detriment to the person who is being hopeful. And then it translates into and doesn't necessarily it no longer serves um, the addict. Um, to, to, to the point around becoming an activator and an enabler, right? I was holding space for, for the addiction to, to live and in some ways thrive. Um, you know, the confidence piece or the efficacy was really about, you know, at some point I, when I saw the writing on the wall that the, the bus was not driving in the right direction, uh, I, I had to step off, right? That's that survival instinct. I had to, as um, one of my peers said, I had to uh, get off the roller coaster, but I didn't leave the amusement park. Oh, and so <laughs> with that confidence, I was able to kind of hold my own space in, in the amusement park, although I was off the roller coaster. Um, and I started to see things more clearly. Uh, and that gave me the confidence to take some actions um, as part of my own healing um, so that I could stay in the amusement park and not you know, abandon the the addict, which was really in some cases what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to run the hell out of the amusement park, cash in my chips and really never look back. Um, but I love this person, this person I'd been with for 20 years. We'd built a life uh, together. We'd had many great experiences. Uh, and, um, and then I think also too, you know, my ego just wouldn't let me you know, go, like I, I had a problem to fix and, and I'd be, uh, come hell or high water, we were going to figure this out. But then the confidence and, and the steps that I was taking started to make me realize it brought me closer to my own resilience and my own optimism and really trying to take care of myself. And once I started to, to do that, the confidence shifted to me versus what was happening with the addict. But again, let me stay in the amusement park so that I could make sure that they didn't go off the rails um, and, uh, and allowed for me to kind of get back to my life because I got very distracted, right? I, I, I kind of put my priorities on hold. I didn't, you know, focus on my well-being. I didn't focus on my work. But when the confidence showed up, I was able to kind of weave back in some of the things that fed my soul so that I could be the best um, person in the amusement park or what I thought was the best person in the park for, for my addict as I waited for them to kind of get off their own roller coaster ride because they themselves are, are on a journey and on a ride that they don't really want to be on. Um, so my hope uh, and my confidence was um, really around trying to see if we could anchor them uh, in their own light and um, see, where, see where their ride could go. Oh my gosh. And I love that analogy of, you know, getting off the roller coaster, but you know, you're sometimes you're staying just in that amusement park. And um, that is such a great metaphor. And um, right, because those roller coasters, man, they really throw you around. <laughs> yes, they do. And I'm not a fan of roller coasters. So <laughs> no, neither am I. <laughs> 
So that is so beautiful. And I, and I love that. It's almost turning the hope onto yourself in your own life. Right. And, um, and I love how you made that parallel that if you have, if there's too much hopefulness in the addict in your life, um, that it can encourage enabling and things like that. So I, 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 you know, so cautioning that as well, right. If we become too hopeful or, um, too optimistic, then we might be, you know, missing something. So I, I love that you brought that into the equation as well. So what was your biggest learning or what has been your biggest lesson that you've learned from loving someone with an addiction? I, I remember the moment that I shifted my thinking to be instead of why is this happening to me? Why, why is this happening? Because it's, it's not just happening to me, it's also happening to them. Um, but that shift in my thinking, which was like, what lesson am I to be learning from this moment? And when I sat with the kind of muckiness of my pain, I realized, and I, I the lesson I'm, I'm learning and I still continue to learn is the lesson of patience and discipline, and then silence. And the power of kind of stepping into your own wisdom and and self-love through that silence, like one, the power of wonder, um, and to not try to talk my way through this, to try to not make this all about the cognitive stuff, because this was all about my body and my heart and the pain that I was experiencing. And because of my, the work I do, I I did have some of the tools and the skills to be able to, you know, process and, and map it, but it, it was still about the pain. So in my silence, I could sit in my pain and process it and then use the power of patience and discipline, um, to kind of give me permission to like really work it instead of push it down and and kind of project management and, and try to find another distraction. That's my go-to when I'm in pain is to distract myself. So I think patience, discipline, and the power of silence um, let me step into my own kind of heart wisdom uh, and self-love again. Oh, that's beautiful. So much richness in that. Like, so I'm hearing this self-awareness um, and just being aware of the emotions and the, that you're experiencing and not just hiding them or, you know, sweeping them under a carpet, honoring them like I'm feeling mm-hmm. pain, I feel it in my body and I feel it in my heart. And then recognizing and sitting with it and actually respecting the fact that, you know what, some self-care, some self-compassion around those emotions and that it's human to be feeling those emotions. So beautiful. And then I, I also love that sitting with them with this idea of patience and compassion um, is so essential. And then you bring in the mindfulness tool, right? Or the stillness, like sit being, you know, in the present moment and just being still with those emotions and giving yourself some compassion around having those emotions has been so powerful in your biggest lesson. Wow, that's incredible. I'm so thankful for you sharing that because we can all benefit from things like that. And it's just like, you know what, um, it's, it's, it's a challenging situation to go through 100%. So finally, I'm just so grateful for you being on the show. If you have one message or you have a message that you would want to give to someone else struggling uh, with loving someone with an addiction, what would that be? I think that the, to get real with any of your own pain 
so that you can release that so that you're not meeting um, uh, your addict at their pain uh, so that you can empower yourself and others and um, and release that pain for yourself from your bo- your heart and your body uh, and I'm I'm a big fan of the power of forgiveness um, forgiving yourself, forgiving the addict, um, and surrender to the lesson, right? Be open to the fact that this pain, that this, um, this experience is here to show us a lesson, um, and to, to sit with it or else the lesson is going to keep showing up. Um, I think when you acknowledge the pain that you feel, and and even sometimes for me, it was like the pain that I've, I caused, you know, by being angry and perhaps maybe even being hurtful, right? Once I started to own that, then I could forgive the addict and I could also forgive myself. Um, and, and remember that, you know, the importance of pace and boundaries in the healing process. This is, this is not a race. When we rush through things, again, uh, we're not necessarily taking all of the richness that can come from that emotional pain um, and um, and uh, to really try to sit again in that muck of your feelings so that you can release them to really create a, an open space to fill up on that joy and love that, um, that you deserve. Uh, and then hopefully in turn, you know, show and model the behavior uh, so that you're at it might also be able to meet you in their joy and bliss as opposed to uh, their pain. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. Such a wonderful message to give. And um, I'm so grateful and thankful for you being on the show today. And uh, there you have it. So like generally, like so many wonderful tips and tools and strategies and just love that you're sharing with the listener. And I love the idea of patience and um, stillness. It's such a wonderful uh, suggestion. And then also I'm getting the message too, almost like that expression, you got to sit in your wet diaper. It's like honoring that you're like, you know what, this isn't, this doesn't feel good. Or like, like honoring your pain and sitting with, with that pain and, and, and letting it process and that it's not just going to happen overnight. And then um, that's, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much, Ophelia. I'm so grateful for you being on the show. And I'm so, I'm sure the listeners also got a lot out of hearing your story of strength and resilience as well. Thanks so much, Andrea. It was my pleasure to be here and uh, I wish you great success with this podcast and uh, in all of the work you do. It's so important. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you want additional support, you can head on over to my website at andreasidel.com where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone going through this struggle so that we can all work together to take back our lives and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but also week after week. I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes every single week so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.